Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured a Premier League match at home against Brighton. Hello, Keith. Should I even bother asking how you're doing? Um, well, I have to say, uh, they, we had graduation last weekend, which <laughs> means it is summer for me, so oh, okay. I don't care about anything anymore. I'm just... <laughs> you're on the I'm beach. Just, I'm just free. I am. I am quite literally. Well, I'm not literally on a beach. If if YouTube works, you'll see I'm not on a beach. But I'm. I'm not at work. That's the important thing. Um, and yeah. Oh wait, did, did we play a game this weekend? I don't remember. I just, just completely lost my mind. Funny how it works that way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we got some other stuff to attend to before we have to <laughs> dig those memories back up. Uh, Which we should. That's the it, it's the it's the moments where you suffer that makes the moments of success so much sweeter. Yep. Yeah, so so first of all, uh, for any of you who went looking on YouTube for a link to the video, I apologize for your wasted effort. Um, we had technical problems that resulted in there not being a video. We will try again this week, but no promises. Um, I will tweet a link to it uh, if and when it gets posted, so it'll be an easy way to know if you're missing it or not. Just go to our new Twitter account at GoonerUShow, um, so that, that will point you there. Um Meanwhile, in Geordie land, uh, we, we talked about Geordies a little bit and the Geordie accent and well-known Geordies. I've got some follow-up in that department. Um, I found a, a fun little YouTube video that explains how you would say different things with the Geordie accent with a delightful woman who was very funny in, in her reads. And sure enough, the very first word of this video is away, <laughs> which I looked up. Um, it is not in Merriam-Webster or any uh, official dictionary. It is in Wiktionary and Urban Dictionary and other unofficial dictionaries it does not seem like it actually approximates any any word known to any other language or other dialect of english it is just a geordieism and for those of you wondering what a geordie sounds like without watching that video i did find a page that has a, a fairly exhaustive list of well-known geordies many of whom i'd never heard of but i, I dug out the names that you may have heard of so in roughly in descending order of likelihood that I think you've heard of these people, Sting, uh, the lead singer of The Police, and also Keith and I were talking before we recorded. I'm pretty sure he was in uh, the Dune movie from the 80s that David Lynch directed. Um, Eric Idle from Monty Python. He's probably a close uh, second or maybe even a tie or surpassing Sting as far as knowing who he is. He's one of the Pythons. Um, Rowan Atkinson, who you would know as Mr. Bean, um, I can picture him i can't really hear him in my head i think eric idol is probably the one who i'd hear the most um as far as whose voice i can also hear because as mentioned on previous episodes i have a weird obsession with british pop and specifically british girl pop i know of a singer cheryl she was a solo artist and she was in girls aloud before that um she is also uh jordy so if any of those help you then you will now be on the same page with keith for uh, for what a jordy is so. Well, hold on. I knew. Uh, first of all, let's just be clear. This is the most times you've ever said the word Jordy. Uh, probably more yeah, than oh, you yeah, ever yeah. imagined. Um, <laughs> what a strange place England is. Uh, we should also add Rowan Atkinson. By the way, is is uh, Mr. Bean is his most famous character. He also plays uh, the lead character in the popular series Black Adder. So, for those of you who enjoy British television, oh, okay, uh, he's he's Black Adder, um, which is a delightful British, yeah, I seen that. slightly historical British program. Um, okay. If you're in, if you're, if you're a fan of British comedy, Blackadder, that's, that's the, that's the yeah, message. Okay. Um, a good tip. 
And Sting, of course, yeah, is famous so... for being Sting. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although it's it's funny how people's accents largely disappear when they're singing. Uh, so that that is, I don't know how helpful that ultimately is, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, also it was kind of funny. Uh, we, we talked, I griped a little bit about, you know, they, they call it New York, even though the stadium's actually in New Jersey. That's, that's kind of just a peculiarity. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's the New York metro area. And that's perfectly acceptable as an explanation as to why people still call it New York. I did find it funny. I noticed during this weekend's match in the sideboard ads at the stadium, the Premier League was advertising their summer series, and they mentioned all the places in the United States where they're going to be playing, such as Philadelphia and Orlando and New Jersey. Maybe this is just because they're not locals. Maybe it's because they are from over the pond that they uh, they called it New Jersey, uh, which is accurate. I, I suspect there's some there's always been some weirdness. The the Giants and the Jets moved out there in the 70s. Uh, the Giants, you know, little here's your New York history, for, sports history for the, the week. The Giants used to play in <laughs> Yankee Stadium. The Jets used to play in Shea Stadium. The Giants built Giants Stadium in the Meadowlands, which is just a big open space in northern New Jersey because there was no freaking way they could build a city in New York. And then a few years after that, the Jets came in as, as essentially tenants. Then they built the new one, MetLife, which is where you're going to be. It was right next to the original giant stadium. Have you ever been, did you ever go to, I've even to either of them, I guess I should ask. No, the only football stadium I've ever been to is soldiers field in Chicago. And it was not for a football match. It was for a grateful dead concert or two. So, well, that's, yeah. that's why I was asking. Maybe you had been down to the Meadowlands for a concert as well. Cause they do that. No, but, uh... right. Right. Now I've been to Barclays. I've been to Madison square garden, um, Madison square garden for hockey and for, uh, for Paul McCartney. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Never been to the Meadowlands before, so that'll be a first for me. It's um, it's 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 pretty generic. I don't. I don't it's not bad. It's just it, <laughs> it's it should be an interesting. It's interesting. I was talking to some of the guys there. Um, uh, one of them was a United fan who sort of pops in now and again, usually to you know banter. But um, he, he was <laughs> saying he had been. I mean, he was talking about going to see United in some places, and he he had been to some of these preseason games that they had done in other places, and. So they actually put on a, a pretty good show for some of them. So you're probably going to get, uh, in terms of like the production that goes on around the game, the pregame stuff and all of that. In terms of players, as we said, it's preseason. Who knows what you'll see? Um, maybe right. a few new signings. Uh, we'll talk about that tonight. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it should be. Uh, it's. I mean, it's. A, it's a. It, it's. It's a stadium in the middle of a giant parking lot. Um, so there's plenty of parking. <laughs> um, you also get a look at. at um, I forget what it's called now. For the longest time, it was called Xanadu. Um, hmm. For the longest oh, time, it wasn't yeah. even finished. It's now a, a giant indoor mall. Um, it right. is. I go past regard- it on the way to Newark Airport. Yeah. Yep. That. Yeah. American Dream is what it is. Uh, it is also probably one of the ugliest buildings I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, a bit of an eyesore. Yeah. It, it. The indoor ski slope is what really sort of takes it. <laughs> It really sort of takes it over the edge. And well, that and all the, at least the last time I was there, they had a bunch of color. They, all the walls were also different colors. I don't know if that's still the case, but, uh, <laughs> um, and, and to be fair, it, you know, the, the Meadowlands is, I mean, as, as someone who's from New York, making fun of New Jersey is second nature. Um, the Meadowlands <laughs> is not one of the more attractive parts of New Jersey. There are nice parts of New Jersey. Uh, the Meadowlands <laughs> ain't it, though. Yeah. <laughs> 
right. Well, uh, we have a little bit of news for the week. Um, the first thing is just to point out to people there will be a link in the show notes. Uh, we've covered previously uh, Major League Soccer is now exclusively available through Apple TV+. Plus. And it used to be that there was no trial for it, that they had uh, one weekend that was free when it was the opening weekend. And then that was it. You had to sign up. You could buy a month if you want to try it. Well, there is now a one month free trial. So there is a link in the show notes. If someone was on the fence about whether or not it was worth it, you can spend a month watching all the matches from MLS. That is uh, American Major League Soccer that you were interested in, if at all. And uh, you can take it from there. Um something else. let me ask you keith have have you signed up for that is that how you're watching mls yes yes uh, apparently a couple they have a couple games every week that are free um but yeah i'll i'll have it um oh, okay yeah i mean as as folks know i am a also a, I, I'm a founding member of new york city fc which in spite of their connection to manchester city is in my mind a totally separate thing uh obviously i know the business <laughs> connection and all of that in fact Anyone who wants to complain, I understand it better than you do. So you don't want to you don't want to get into this. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's how I watch them. Um, they have also been struggling lately, uh, actually far more so than than Arsenal has. Um, so it's it's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks of of soccer. I'll just it's been a rough couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that, yes, I, I use the Apple broadcast. It's an interesting one because for the longest time, um, and I think we had talked about this. MLS had all local broadcasts, and and I really liked the guys who did New York City games. Um, Joe Tollison was the play-by-play guy. Ian Joy was the the color commentator. And uh, when Apple grabbed MLS, of course, they grabbed a bunch of these local broadcasters to turn them into this national broadcast group. Um, the, neither of them it was part of it. And I listened; to, mm. they did an interview with a, a New York City fan uh, podcast, and and. You know, basically what they both said was it it just it, it didn't really quite work out. Joe Tollison actually has a regular job as the PA announcer for the New York Rangers at, at the Garden um, and does some other hmm. things throughout. And Ian Joy is um, involved in a lot of uh, coverage that CBS does of, of European competitions. So you may have come across him uh, during some of the Europa League games or if you if you start watching the or next year when we watch the Champions League. Um and jo- he enjoy it's a, it's a good name. He's a he's a positive, outgoing guy, Scottish, so a very thick accent, but a lot of fun. The two of them were a lot of fun to listen to. Um, so mm. it's a little different. It, it just it's it's a little bit more like the NFL, where the na- the national broadcast does it, na- the national networks do everything, and so you get these rotating casts of announcers. Um, and MLS is still kind yeah. of working through who all of those are. Cool. Uh, another thing, it's not news to the world. It's just kind of news to me because this came out in 2020. But if anyone is interested in bringing a little bit of soccer home and building it brick by brick, uh, there is an Old Trafford Lego set. That is the stadium where Manchester United plays. So uh, I can put a link to that in the show notes. I uh, don't have it prepared, but I will add that for you guys if anyone is is curious, if you want to grab that before it gets retired, because Lego sets are not sold at retail prices forever. Um, so that, that was interesting. Um, it reminded me of something in a Ted Lasso season that maybe the current season or maybe a prior season, I won't see anything else because um, I am very, very spoiler averse. And so I treat others the same way. But uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's something that if, if it were the Emirates, I, I would consider uh, putting it on my wish list. but uh, uh, I'll, I'll wait and see. So 
<laughs> if that gets added. I think winning the league is probably their their best chance at that. So if not this year, then maybe next. But and what a segue into our match <laughs> against Brighton. <laughs> so as we record, this was yesterday, May 14th, a home match against Brighton in which they walloped us zero to three, a couple goals coming in late in the match. But, oh, oh, what a heartbreaking game. I, I just don't know what happened. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I think we should start with the the big news that came out. Um, I don't know if it was officially announced by the club or it's just sort of trickled out, but the in pregame as the lineup announcement, uh, Alexander Zinchenko was out of the lineup. Uh, he apparently has a thigh injury and is shut down for mm. the rest of the season. And it seemed to be we kind of, something we kind of suspected, but appears is I don't know if it's official, official or just. Everyone just kind of think that's what all the rumors are. It's going to happen now. But uh, William Saliba has also been shut down for the season. Um, Hmm. now obviously we've seen not having Saliba for a few weeks and obviously we know a little bit about the weaknesses that the things that the difficulties that gives us, uh, defensively and offensively, but losing Zinchenko was a, is, is a bit of a blow. We have Kieran Tierney, um, who is a serviceable backup, really kind of undersells it. He's a very good player, uh, but he's, he's such a different player than, uh, Zinchenko. And there were times I think Zinchenko's absence was noticeable. Tierney's definitely more more responsible defensively. Certainly Zinchenko's defense, while never great, has been a bit more of a problem recently, although I'm sure that's partly related to, again, Saliba not being there. But it, it wasn't a great bit of news uh, to get started, even with the idea that it's Kieran Tierney, it's going to be fine. And I don't, I don't know. To me, there were two distinct halves. I... I I was a bit shocked, frankly, watching when they showed the possession stats at, at halftime and I think it had brightened at like 60 some percent. I thought we actually played pretty well in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. We weren't as incisive in the final pass. We had a few few rough giveaways, but overall, I thought we created a couple of dangerous chances. Uh, Odegaard had one of those. We talked we talked this last time, those low, those low corner shots, this one just missed uh just went wide we had a couple of those yeah and there were a couple of instances yeah. there you know and i thought they had a few cases where we we yeah, Saka had a few times where he was dancing around uh the defender on his the defender on his side um a few cases where it looked like we took we took one extra touch when it really would have been served to take the shot so overall i thought we were better the better team in the first half i i can't sit here and say um we it should have been one nil uh you know i can't but but i thought overall we were playing pretty well which made the second half largely disappointing although some of that i don't know how much to make of it of course the big change was the the early substitution uh speaking of injuries uh your guy mm-hmm. martinelli uh yeah that yeah. was a. Uh, that was a rough that was a one. Painful looking knock. Oh my god! The, you see the angle that his ankle was bent into, and that that really hit home for me. I mean, I'm still suffering from a, an ankle injury to that same ankle, left ankle, from like almost a year and a half ago. Now it's uh, oh, I, I hope it's not as bad as mine is, and hopefully he gets on it and it doesn't continue to affect him. But yeah, yeah, they showed him post game. I saw him on the field in a boot, uh, which is is never mm. a great sign. Um, no. But I, you know, who knows? They said they were scanning. I thought they said today we're going to they were going to scan him and we'll see uh, what happens there. I mean, frankly, it was kind of interesting. It was almost the first 
10, 15 minutes turned into a bit of a bloodbath. Odegaard gets uh, a ball kicked into his face. Uh, right. which I was like in the first two minutes. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, because it was so early, I think I kind of switched off and was talking to someone next to me or something. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden I look up and there's Odegaard lying on the ground. I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's right. not good. What happened? And then of course you see the replay and the ball just. Yeah. From close range. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but he got up, he seemed, he was seemed to be fine. Uh, you know, at least that's what they all say. Uh, you never really know, I guess. Um, yeah. in that case, I mean, generally from what I've seen, I mean, unless you have a broken nose or something, it's, it stuns you and it takes a second to recover, but it's, it's, it's a fairly soft ball. Like it, you, it's shocking when it happens as long as it doesn't cause a concussion doesn't break your nose i don't know how much real damage it would ever cause maybe you've seen that be a real injury i mean well i mean you're kicked to the head they get the ball kicked to your head the concussion is the real concern um you know right. i mean a broken nose is possible but that has to hit you really square for that even just like the side mm-hmm. of the head of course you got something pounding your head and we say the ball's soft i mean I mean, they, especially the professional listings are pumped up pretty good. They're pretty. They are. They've definitely right. got. It depends they, on what they you're don't, comparing it to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't have a lot of. Get, it's it's not like getting hit by, like, say, a baseball or a hockey puck, which, of course, is going to be much more compact. But still, it's it's got mm. some heft to it, especially especially given the velocity. Some of those guys. Right. Uh, can really crank it. Um, but yeah, then then following that, uh, Mitoma got. Uh, got hip checked in the head by, by Martinelli. By Martinelli. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. What did you think? What did you, I, I have thoughts about that. What did you think seeing that? It was a questionable decision on his part. And it was a further questionable decision not to have it yellow carded by the ref, which, uh, yeah, he didn't, when did he, he issued his first yellow card, like late into the second half, or I guess midway through the second half, it looked like it took him a long time to start pulling them out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a rough match. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing we've talked about before. Once someone is in the air to head the ball, like it's basically a no, no, you don't leap up after to try and do anything with them. Basically. Like you, I mean, you go after the ball, I guess, but it, it didn't even seem like he was, I don't, I don't, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> I mean, he's going up for the ball. I mean, he, yeah. yes, he was extremely lucky not to get a yellow at least. Um, I think the thing that saves him as I watch it, if you if you watch him, and of course this is all slow motion replays, you can't, you know, who knows what's seeing this live, but it looks to me like he's tracking the ball with his eyes the whole time. Like you, sometimes you'll see guys go up and do that, and you can see them clearly look at the guy and like, like they like they they know <laughs> the guy's there. To me, it looked like Martinelli was tracking the ball the whole time when he goes up, which of course creates the contact. Yeah. Now, again, having said that, obviously it becomes a very dangerous play and. Uh, he was very fortunate not to receive a yellow, and I think he was saved by the fact that we were, you know, what f- five minutes into the game, for ten less than ten right. minutes into the game. I mean, you you will rarely see a red given that situation, but in a certain scenario, you could you could potentially see that. And and I have to say, I think that um, I think that played a role in what happened to him. A few minutes later, I, I, I Moises Caicedo. Yeah, I, I think Caicedo knows exactly who he's going in on there, uh, and I don't mean that mm-hmm. in the sense that Caicedo is a dirty player. Um, I thought he had a he had an he had a very good game. You can see why Arsenal wanted him in January. You can see why lots of teams mm-hmm. want him. Why Arsenal may still want him. Hint, <laughs> uh, hint. But um, <laughs> you know that's. He know he knew what he. Would, I think I think he knew who he was going into. Um, 
not that he intended to injure him, but it is certainly a dangerous challenge. And I think there's an argument. We've talked about the referees losing control. Frankly, he probably should have, in the sense of game control, you could easily argue he should have given that yellow to Martinelli. Punishment has been given out. And, you know, maybe Caicedo doesn't feel the need to make that make that challenge, which frankly was also deserving of a yellow. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I was listening to uh, the R's cast this morning. As I said, if, if Moises Caicedo can continue this record of not being allowed to get yellows at the Emirates, he would, in fact, be an excellent signing for us. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there was a lot, of, a lot of little craziness there in the uh, nearly going in it, but it led to the ar- arrival of uh, Leandro Trussard, who had a uh, – I don't remember. Was it, was it in the first half he hit the crossbar? Um, looking, I don't have a note about it. I don't know. He had, he had one, he had another one because he, I think he had one. Uh, maybe it was the, he had one, maybe, I think maybe it was, yeah, it was Southampton that a goal that would have won the game where he cracked the crossbar. Um, I think, yeah. and he had another one here that definitely, they hit the bar. It's like, we just gotten that, that early mm. goal, that early chance. But instead, uh, instead it was, it was scoreless oh, yeah. at the half. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I think maybe it was in the 31st minute. I think that may have been him. Yeah, I didn't note the player, but yeah, glances off. Okay, the yeah, they got off the crossbar. I'm pretty sure that was a tr- that was a Trussard yeah. chance. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, we had a couple, you know, a couple of misses. Um, I, you know, really, you know, the margins are so fine. We've talked about this, right? We, you know, goals change games, and we were so close to a couple of them that you could have really. Could have really made for a different game, except for the part where, we, we, as we sort of said, I thought we were decent in the first half. I know we'll hit the second half in a little bit, but um, we were not excellent at all. We were not better than anything no. in the second half, I no. think is is absolutely <laughs> the, the best way to say it. Um, anything yeah, else you no, noticed I, in that first half? No, I mean, I agree with you. It was It was very physical. I think that was the overall comment was just, wow, were we knocking each other around? both sides just really going at it with each other. Um, I do. I remember seeing the stat early into the second half, which was mostly a reflection of the first that, yeah, we had like 10 shots or something compared to like their one or two. Um, we had a lot of attempts and especially once we got into stoppage time and it seems to be a pattern for us. We're like, once we're in stoppage time, once the feet's to our fire or (laughs) once the fire's to our feet, uh, (laughs) then we really go for it and just try hammering it in. And it's worked out in the past. We've gotten goals in that situation. We just had near misses this time. Uh, near miss and uh, less near miss from Odegaard. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. And I think at the same time, they did also have some near misses. They had some blown chances too. I mean, I feel like as far as credible uh, opportunities, we were kind of even, we shot it a lot more. I think as far as shots that could have gone in, um, I think it was roughly even maybe slight edge to us, but then, yeah, then the second half happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, I mean, you know, it, it, shots are a weird thing because obviously some of them, you know, sail sail off into the distance. I mean, they had a close in chance that he ends up skying that Brighton did early in the match. Um, but you know, I think I, I, yeah, they had a couple of potentially dangerous chances. But again, you know, a shot that comes in and forces Ramsdale into a save is not a huge statistically it's a big difference but sometimes isn't a huge difference from say that Odegaard shot that drags just wide um that's a shot but it's not a shot on goal so statistically it's managed a little bit differently but um mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's yeah i think um 
I mean, I think you're right. They had a few dangerous chances. I think that both teams looked a little bit ragged at, at trying to find that final pass. Like both of them were looking a little bit for that extra, that one more touch, one more pass. And a couple times it just, it sort of, it, it, that's where their attacks fell apart and allowed the other team to turn the, turn it and go, go the other way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, recently I, I had a life-changing experience. Um, I won't say there was necessarily a major change, but it was a, a slight change. Um, I tried a new flavor of liquid IV. It was the yuzu pineapple. Uh, it, it was good. It was interesting. It was something new. I'd been trying only the strawberry lemonade before and, uh, trying a new flavor. Uh, I liked it. Uh, it, you may be asking yourself, uh, what is liquid IV? Tell me more. And if that is the case, I can tell you liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being. and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, or like I do, after coaching little kids running around a baseball or soccer field. And uh, it, you can hydrate yourself two times faster than with water alone and with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. Um, so like I said, I tried the yuzu pineapple, which was really good. I don't know what a yuzu pineapple is, but the flavor was yummy. Um, I've got another couple that I'll be trying, uh, in the coming days and weeks. Um, and as mentioned, uh, one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water. That's a little bit less than the, the water bottles that, that I buy from the store, uh, that hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. It comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Because if it's not exciting, you're not going to stick to it. Uh, it contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, and has three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It is made with premium ingredients that are non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. And Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. So you're probably asking yourself, what can I do? I want this stuff. Well, you can, I'm seeing it pop up in stores all over the place now. It's really booming. But if you want to get 20% off, you can use code Gooner at checkout. That's G-O-O-N-E-R. There is no U in Gooner. You go to liquidiv.com, use code Gooner, and they'll get you 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Gooner at liquidiv.com. Ready to shop better hydration? Use the special link in the show notes and enter code Gooner at checkout. So the second half, where it all fell apart. <laughs> Before we do that, yeah. actually, I want to I want to say, obviously, as as you were busy working your way through the ad read, which is excellently done, by the way. Um, I, I did look up what I, a what uh, yuzu pineapple. Uh, it is not a Ooh. type of pineapple. Yuzu is actually apparently an a East Asian citrus fruit. So it is actually ah. a mixture of flavors, a yuzu and a yuzu slash pineapple. Okay, I am. Thank you. Because this is a, <laughs> this is a show about education. <laughs> Real time follow up. No, thank you, Keith. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was curious. What is a yuzu pineapple? And like you, what I discovered is there is no such thing. It is two entirely different fruits uh, merged together. And it sounds like it's quite delicious, too. It is. Yeah. It adds a little something to it. Yeah. I, I could have easily that? ended up going to bed not knowing what a yuzu was. So thank I, you. <laughs> and I do enjoy the taste of pineapple. So I'll have to put that on my to drink list. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Second half. So well, before, before we talk about the second half, let me just mention something that's funny that didn't really come into play till near the second half. So 
Um, again, you know, I'm, I'm experimenting with different ways of watching all these things. Um, this time I was heading out shortly after the match began. I knew I wasn't able to watch it in real time. Um, but I figured, okay, well, what if we've talked about before how sometimes people want to start the re or start the replay sort of semi replay while the match is going on, they want to start it from the beginning. You were talking about uh, a couple episodes ago about that being a reason like not to show the scores in the ESPN plus app, for instance, right? Because someone might want to watch a game that's currently going on from the beginning and don't want to be spoiled, you know, for the last half hour or whatever. Right. So I figure, okay, well, knowing that I'm going to watch it later, what if I go into the NBC sports? app and i start it now while it's still in progress then i don't need to worry about waiting through their ads showing you oh watch this video with the highlights telling you the score right i can just go straight into the app and let it get started well so i did that and <laughs> they don't have that feature uh, if you're an nbc sports in the u.s when you go to play an in-progress match it jumps you in right where the match is going on so I watched the replay later knowing that it was scoreless 41 minutes in. So I spent most of the first half knowing whatever it looked like was going to happen. The ball was not going in or not going to be called a valid goal one way or another. So it got a little more exciting for me to the end of the first half and then, then the second half happens. So, <laughs> so yeah, in the 51st minute, Brighton opened the scoring. They, they got a, a lead on us that, was was never seriously contested. We didn't have any real chances until we'd already been behind <laughs> by zero two, I think. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that was a that was an ugly one. So there's there was a little bit of contact. I mean, I you know Julio Enciso is is not a very big player, uh, and it's very annoying no. that he gets a header at point blank range like that. He's <laughs> he is free in part because Jakub uh, Kivior is is actually down. Um, he definitely does get stepped on before it right before. And he's down in a bit of pain. I, I don't know. People are sitting here talking. It was a foul and a missed foul. I don't know. That's a hard, that's a hard. If that had gone the other, again, one of those, if it had gone the other way, that would be, I think it was an, it looked to me almost inadvertent in terms of the contact and the kind of contact that goes on constantly in the box. Um, mm -hmm. so it, it ends up just being a really kind of unfortunate situation. Um, but yeah, well, they... there was, there was another corner kick later on where the ref actually made us redo it. I think, or else for them, I forget whose corner it was, but whoever was kicking needed to do it again because of Jaka and was a dunk. I think oh, yes, dunk. like two of them were like knocking each other to the ground and the ref blew the whistle after the kick and just made them do it over. <laughs> so yeah, yeah they were because well, because they, they they he does blow that play dead. Um, he actually does blow the play dead before the kick comes in. Or is I in the NHL they use the phrase the intent to blow. So basically, it's not so much when the whistle goes and the, if the referee intent. I know, I know. Everyone giggles. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's not even. <laughs> I love hockey. The people who cover it sometimes just don't. Hear. There are a few other of these phrases that they just like. Do you do you not hear yourself? Do you, did, how did that? Anyway, um, well, ba but basically the idea is so the referee can sort of sit there and say, okay, I didn't blow the whistle here, you know, and so the puck was live. I in but I intended to, and so therefore I call I am retroactively calling the play dead. You know, the idea you play to mm. the whistle. Uh, I don't know quite what it was i mean sometimes those things happen obviously in 
just split seconds. And, you know, he's, he's already making the call when maybe when Sokka, I think was running up to take the kick. And so he says, Nope, Nope, Nope. I blew a play dead. You get to redo it. Cause yeah, it was, it was uh Jaka. And I think it was dunk as well, who were just, you know, as happens on corners, grabby, grabby, and, uh, <laughs> you know, down, down, I think in the case, they both went down, which is what really alerted the, the referee to say, no, knock it off. <laughs> right. Um, right. And yeah, so that'll happen now and again. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's annoying, but it, I think that, um, yeah, I think I, I yeah, I, and, and Brighton had been playing a little bit better in the second half. I felt the game was definitely had already been tilted a little bit towards our end and the hope was all right. I mean, they scored, but it was, was what, was what it was before the hour. Yeah. 50, yeah, 50 first minute. So we still had over 30, 30 mm-hmm. minutes, uh, 40 minutes, essentially with what ended up being stoppage time. We had time mm-hmm. to to get it and it just i mean it, it really just felt like all whatever whatever it was that had been working for us in the first half and whatever had been working for us in some of the previous matches throughout most of the season whatever it was we didn't have it it was it yeah. was it was pretty dire for a lot of the second half it's and you know it's it's unfortunate because you know, obviously, we've talked about being in the title race and hanging on and what would we need for this. I, I woke up, I slept in a little bit on Sunday. So I woke up and, and was thinking to myself, oh, let me check the score of the, the City game just to see how they're doing. Maybe I want to flip this on. And I looked at the score. It was halftime. and It was 2-0 City. I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> Everton is not coming back from that. And so, you know, the idea was we need to come in. We need to put pressure on them. You know, like we like we talked about last week with Chelsea and Newcastle, like put pressure on them, make them. Make them make them have to win those games, and honestly, we looked we looked tired. We just looked, I think, to a certain extent, physically and and mentally exhausted. And and Brighton's good. I mean, let's let's be, you know, let's let's give credit where credit is due. Brighton is a is a good team. Uh, they're currently in sixth. They are ahead of Tottenham. Um, <laughs> which you know, speaking of things that make all of the that make you know silver linings in all of this. Uh, Brighton's win. Uh, Brighton closes the season. They're like of their final like five games. They had they include Arsenal, City, and Newcastle. Uh, somehow got lined up in the three in three of their right. last four or five games, which is which is pretty brutal. Um, but there they are. They've got they they are ahead of Tottenham, and they have two games in hand. They've actually still got four games left. Um, hmm. and so they they are already a point ahead of Tottenham in sixth. So they are. In very is a very good chance they're going to be in Europe next year. Um, so you know the fact that they beat us again, silver lining is that they are that much closer to knocking Tottenham out of Europe, which is very funny. Um, <laughs> we'll see what old friend Unai Emery and Aston Villa can do as in the spot below them. Uh, but yeah, I mean they're they're, they're plus twenty one on goal difference, which is better than Manchester United. <laughs> um, they're yeah. they're a good team. Brighton is, uh, and and you know it's it's going to be very weird when they, uh, they're going to have a couple of players that are going to get sold. Uh, they've they've got some really good guys, you know, on the field. A couple of them are definitely going to get sold, uh, this summer. Um, you know, we've talked about Caicedo, who's a guy we're interested in. Out Alexis McAllister, who played for Argentina in the World Cup. Um. Hmm. You know he he he's he's a nice player. He's been connected to I think Liverpool and a few other places. Um, Paris Estupinian, which is an unfortunate name. Speaking of things, we're going to giggle yeah. about. 
Um, yeah, but again, he he and Caicedo are both both played for Ecuador uh, in the world. Both played in the World Cup. Um, let me just confirm they are Estupinian is Ecuador. Yeah, they're both Ecuadorians. They both played in the World Cup. Mm. Um, and uh, there was Dunk. I forget he he he's been around England for a while. Um, and then the guy they brought off the bench, uh, Danny Welbeck, is a former Arsenal man. Um, mm-hmm. well, Dunk's yeah, been at Brighton the whole time. Never mind. That, yeah, um, yeah D- Danny Welbeck, former Arsenal man. Uh, so that's a lot of. Uh, there's talent on that roster. Although, as they point out, I uh, their manager Deserby made a comment. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was in the post game or at some point after the talk of the game. Basically, said he he thinks he basically said he thinks. Caicedo and McAllister are going to be sold. Um, there's certainly rumors, a suggestion that Caicedo, because Brighton was so insistent on not selling him, um, he was talking about, he was making comments about demanding a, a transfer. Hey, Arsenal wants me. I want to go to Arsenal. And supposedly they had some meeting that, you know, cleared the air. The, the, there is speculation that the phase of the meeting was, we will sell you in the summer. But right now we need you to get to Europe, and mm-hmm. there's a very mm-hmm. good chance they're going to. And and they're good. They they look good. They they are a, an interesting team to watch. They're a little different. Uh, you know, they're not like the kind of team that you would normally fa- a team that would you would normally see sort of playing above their station, so to speak. Brighton's never been to Europe. Brighton's never been this high in the standings. Um, but right. they're not doing it in kind of that bunker and counter. Uh, kind of thing that you would expect to. We talk, looked at. We saw Everton. We talked about how some of these other teams, especially towards the bottom of the table, how they're trying to play us. Uh, Brighton did not do that. Uh, that's not who they are. That's not how they play. Um, so they're they're a heck of a success story. They lost their coach midway through partway through the season. Graham Potter was their manager, and then he went to Chelsea. Uh, and Deserby took over, and they've been even better. So yeah, they're um, hmm. there's a lot. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said for 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 where they are. They're a very good team. It was a game. I know we felt good coming out of Newcastle, but that was this was another game we were looking at and saying could have been a could have been a pitfall, could have been trouble, and it turns out it was. Um, just yeah. somewhere, I think we've they've beaten us three out of the last four times at the Emirates, including that League Cup game, which only allegedly right. happened because it wasn't on television <laughs> anywhere. But that was Brighton at the Emirates, and they beat us again. Right. League Cup, not the full roster, but wins are wins, and they get wins at the Emirates, which is just annoying. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, just a couple questions about the match. Uh, one thing that I noticed, so we, we've talked before about jersey selection and minimizing clashing between different colors. What I noticed watching this is Steele, he was the keeper for, for Brighton. He had something weird going on with his hair. He had like a little like... <laughs> like yeah. a bird landed on his head. There's like a little bit sticking up in the back. That was kind of yeah. weird. But, <laughs> there. <laughs> but his, his jersey was black with like dark gray accents on it it would from a distance would have been a dead ringer for the ref which is kind of weird because we've talked before about the refs not clashing picking their colors to be different from the teams on the field apparently whatever policy sets the refs jerseys they don't take the keepers into account or something yeah, I feel like I've seen that in a couple other instances where the 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 uh, referee the referee's kit and the the keeper's kits are don't clash. Um, I suspect I don't actually know. My suspicion though is it's it stems from the fact that the the, the referee and the keeper are never going to be in the same place on the field. Like the whole point of the to change jersey, of course, is that 
you know, players aren't going to confuse the ref for their teammate. Uh, which, mm-hmm. I, but that's not going to happen because the referee doesn't go into, rarely will go into the box. He's, he is almost never going to find himself in a position where he could even th- conceivably clash with whatever the, um, you know, with what, whatever the, the, the keeper is wearing. So I suspect that's, there's somewhere in the rules. It's not a, it's not an issue. It's the outfield players that have to be distinct. Um, or at yeah. least that's who they're, that's who they're judging that against. Yeah. There's something else that I that I found amusing. Like I've noticed just watching the matches and during the documentary and stuff. Um, Arsenal, although not not uniformly every other club, but a lot of the clubs, um, the players' name and or number and like the staff's uh, initials and stuff will be on training jackets and pants and like obviously on their jersey. It's on their their shirts and their shorts. Um, their numbers and names are over everything in the 22nd minute minute Jorginho went down and it was funny the shot was like a close-up shot of him and you could see it beneath the waistband of his arsenal shorts you could see his number on his underwear like showing through the white fabric of the shorts it's just kind of funny like even even their underwear they need labeled to keep it separate because i guess it's team underwear uh, everything just, every i mean a lot of uh, yeah a lot of some of stuff's <laughs> custom made um you know it's, yeah. it's especially especially because because the, they get the contract you know for the the shirts everyone talks about who has the mm. shirt contract you know this is this is the old uh Puma one from a few years ago. Um, it's not a Puma, but uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's. I mean, they, they outfit them with everything. They, they get the the shirt and the shorts, the socks, the training gear. I mean, they sell a whole bunch of mm-hmm. it. But yeah, there's other things too. I, they can do a lot of players will have an individualized shoe deal where they will get you know they get their they get cleats sent from them from the big brand that they signed a contract with. But you know the. As Adidas is our our supplier, I I, I think Adidas also sends the, the team a bunch of kit, uh, a bunch of shoes every year. And some players, uh, generally younger ones or guys you know you wouldn't have heard of who aren't big enough names to have a contract, there are shoes available for them. So the club always has a new stuff for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know the perks of being a professional. <laughs> well, it's it's funny along those lines. I remember watching a match some months ago. It was one that I was watching live with my dad, like on a, a call or maybe in person. I don't remember, but um, he was like, "Why is Mikel Arteta wearing the same jacket as the manager from the other team? That's weird." And I was like, "Well, uh, they're not on screen right now, and I haven't been paying attention. But I bet you, if you look at the other team, they're probably another Adidas team. And sure enough, they were. And yeah, that was probably just they both wanted to wear black, and they wanted a hood. Like there are only so many jackets that Adidas is going to make to the specs that a manager would want to be wearing on the field on a cold, rainy England day. And uh, yeah, so uh, that." that <laughs> that can happen too, or it looks like they're dressing the same. <laughs> yeah, well, so there, it's interesting. Like it, it, in a lot of sports, especially American sports, there seems to be sort of a standard way coaches dress. So, like baseball, of course, they wear the uniform, which is always kind of fun. Um, a lot of indoor sports, like hockey or hockey or basketball, you see guys in suits. Um, although, especially some of mm. them have, especially starting in COVID, and sort of since then, they've really kind of gotten away from that a lot, and so that. You see a lot more just like hmm. polos and sort of much more rela- a bit more of a relaxed look. Um, then you get to the NFL where like they they get branded gear from the league and the league set, basically the league tells like a uniform you're wearing this this week. So if you watch week to week in the NFL, all the coaches will be wearing roughly the same thing, just slightly changed with logos and stuff. And that's basically because they're told to do that. Um, 
But yeah, then you get to soccer yeah. and you have some managers are wearing tracksuits. Some of them are wearing a perfectly tailored Italian suit. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it really is kind of fascinating. Some of them show up and just, a, you know, a, 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 like they're just wear the jacket. Arsene Wenger was, had this awkward incident for years. He'd have these big puffy jackets they would wear and he constantly seemed to have trouble with the zipper. Like, you know, try to zip up the whole coat At, to, to the point when they, I, yeah, I believe they switched to, I, I'm trying to remember when they, it was either when they switched to Adidas or switched to Puma when he was there. I don't remember if they switched to Adidas when he, uh, if that was after he, he had left, but, uh, and the promo video for the first set of gear, they actually included a short clip of Wenger zipping up the jacket and like smiling into the camera. Because <laughs> this had been a thing that was difficult at some point. Uh, the way the internet has, the internet meme culture has sort of taken over everything. But uh, yeah. so That's anyway, funny. to bring this full circle, I'm sure it was specially branded underwear. That seems totally plausible yeah. to me. Yeah, I'm sure it was. That was a logical conclusion. It's just kind of funny, like when you notice these things. Or like um, one of the players on Brighton had lifted up their shirt, and we've talked about those. Uh, analytics tracking bras that they wear and i noticed that when he lifted up his shirt the the bra thing said american express on it that's that's their sponsor that's mm -hmm. on the front of their shirts and apparently on the front of under their shirts too <laughs> so yeah they can't leave home without it yeah but i say it's good i'm <laughs> gonna drop that in there good well done well done <laughs> But uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask about, get, get your take on. Um, so in the 84th minute, and if, if, I'll give you a minute to pull up the replay if you don't remember this, but um, following a corner kick, Gabriel was being held back pretty aggressively, like someone was grabbing his shirt. And the commentators have pointed out at the time, and I, I was inclined to agree that that could have easily ended up being a penalty it was late enough that maybe it would have mattered. I mean, like ultimately if, if we had gotten a penalty at that point, I think it was before the second goal. So it would have brought us even could have had an effect on the game. Um, do you think that that should have been a penalty? Um, I, 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 I am trying to find the highlight to see if I can find the actual play. I think I know which one you're referring to. To me, that felt like one of the, I, to me, I felt like, if it's the play I'm thinking of, to me, it felt a bit like Gabriel went down a little easy. Mm. Uh, and that, that sometimes plays a role, um, you know, in, in those calls. The referee sort of judges that there's less contact. You know, he, he makes a judgment that the player went down on purpose. Um, so, so that was kind of, I, I couldn't find it. I, that, that's how I, how I saw that one. Like, it, 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 if it's the one I'm thinking of, I mean, of course, yeah. you won it at that stage, and I think was it was it two nil at that point, or um, was I think that, that still was before the second goal. I'm pretty sure okay. that that was when it was still one nil. I mean, of course, you want that penalty, you want that opportunity. Um, I think to I, me, what what flagged it as something that should have been a penalty is like watching it in the replay. I didn't see it happen at all when it, when it first happened, but watching it in the replay, or yeah, in, in the um, in the replay, I saw it looked like if he hadn't been held back, he might've been in a position to head in that corner kick. It looked like if he had not been artificially held back by, by the other player like that, that he could have maybe gotten in and gotten us the goal anyways, which is to me why it looked like, I guess it would have deserved a penalty, but um, 
if if I'm remembering and understanding correctly, if the field ref doesn't call it, then no one's looking at the replay to judge whether that should be a penalty, right? Uh, no, no. The the um, the VAR is also checking, and they can easily they call okay. in. Yeah. So we've had. I think there was. I'm trying to remember who it was against. There was one earlier. We had a goal earlier in the season. We had a goal called back. We scored the goal. And then it was on the replay that I think it was Ben White like held like held someone right. I, the keep the because, keeper's hand maybe but yeah right but that was because a goal was scored and yeah all the goals get reviewed by VAR but there was no goal here oh no VAR and because always, there was no call yeah no but VAR is always watching and can call in and can basically call down to the referee hey I think you you missed something you might want to take a look at this so that's partly there they'll see the, I'm putting my finger to the okay. ear the the earpiece that's so they can actually look and say because the idea is part of the reason for VAR is the referee's view might be obstructed the referee looks as I didn't see any you know I didn't see anything because there was mm-hmm. another guy in the way or it was at a bad angle for it and VAR can sort of come down and say no 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 there was a foul you need to come take a look at this uh, typically if okay. VAR calls them over the the var and and there is a sense there is a deference by the way to the to the referee so you know there it could be a case var looked and was like it's close i don't know yeah i mean the the phrase the operative phrase is always clear and obvious error so if they Mm -hmm. look at that and say no, he was fouled you need you uh, at that point if the referee's been called over for var var is telling him it's a it's a foul you need to call that um, you know, in that case, VAR will also the generally defer to the official, and that to me, to me, it was close, close enough where the, they could easily have sort of said it's not clear and obvious that he was definitely fouled, uh, and therefore, therefore they can't, therefore they're not going to call in. They might, may, they might be talking to him, saying, "I don't know about this. What do you think?" You, I mean, who knows? Ref looked and said, "No, I saw it. I'm not, I'm not calling that." Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, there's as I understand it, there is some communication that happens there as well. Um, but all very clear. okay. Um, yeah, I th- I thought I guess I was thinking of something that happened a match or two ago where there was something where we had said that because it wasn't called at the time that there was no VAR check on it that would have revealed something that we saw when we were watching the replay at home. Uh, I, I don't remember what that was at this time. So, well, I, again, that's the VAR. I, I, it could just be terminology we're dealing with here. It could be the VAR yeah. check, referring to when the referee goes over. Somebody's watching it. If there's a problem, they will okay. call in. Now, what probably is is again that notion of there's deference to the call made on the field. The VAR shouldn't really shouldn't be calling the referee unless they say, "I think you got this wrong." Um, yeah. But but they're they are watching it. So because the idea is, if indeed there was a foul that was missed, they could go down to him and say, "Hey, you missed this call. You need to you need to take a look at this." So I bet somebody looked at it. Um, but I obviously decide it, it, the decision was not to give anything. That there was no decision. That there, the decision yeah. was no. It's not a not a foul, not a penalty. Right. Right. All right. Well, let me let me ask you. I'll. I'll let you come up with whatever you can first uh do you do you have a player from this third of a match (laughs) yeah i was this was tough i was thinking about this today before we were coming on i said thinking i know you're gonna ask me this and i mean i know we're thinking of arsenal players i think caicedo deserves a lot uh from from brighton's perspective um 
especially because we want to keep saying nice things about Caicedo because you want <laughs> to come to Arsenal. Uh, but uh, as far as Arsenal players, I thought Odegaard was decent in the first half. I thought he kind of disappeared in the second half. Um, I thought Tierney was fine, but he, he wasn't Zinchenko. And this was a game, I think, that cried out for a little bit more of Zinchenko's creativity. Um, I thought Sako did well in the first half. I thought he was a little more anonymous in the second half. I did not think Trossard, other than hitting the bar, I thought had a had a bit of a stinker. Jesus was everywhere. Um, I'm just rattling every name of every player on the field at this point. Um, <laughs> I mean, Ramsdale had a pretty awful giveaway to lead to the second goal. I, I guess if I had to pick an Arsenal player for the game. I don't know. Maybe Jorginho. Maybe a, <laughs> maybe we could say I, it feels like we're picking not so much a good player, but the best player, but the least bad the least one. Bad. Yeah. yeah I, I I think I give a case for Jorginho or 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 a Saka maybe, but by the second half, Saka looked much more anonymous. He looked really he's he's looked a little his game has slipped in the last few weeks. I think for a lot of them, it's tired. And and you saw Arteta. If Arteta has a weakness, it's substitutions. I have to say, I didn't quite understand what he was doing with a lot of the substitutions, swapping out the entire midfield like he did, you know, Odegaard and Jorginho coming out for Smith Rowe and Party um, was a curious one. And it, it wasn't helped. It didn't help that um, it didn't help that neither of them was all that impressive. Um right. Like, I think, like, Smith Rowe is coming off an injury. He hasn't played much. That's a tough place to be in. Uh, I thought Thomas Partey was, you you can see why he hasn't been playing. He, is, he has not been good. Uh, we've talked about him maybe being injured. I don't know. Um, it could be he's also tired. Um, he picked up, he picked up a deserved yellow. That was a pretty bad foul. That was, that's a, that's a frustration foul. I wanted, um, I wanted to ask you about that. Somehow I didn't see at all. I saw on the screen that he had gotten yellow. I didn't see the original action or a replay of it. I totally missed that. What happened there? I, I saw it. As, I saw it as a tackle. I, I don't recall the like. I can't picture okay. it in my mind. But as it was happening, it's one of those. The card yeah. came out, and everyone just said, "Yeah, that was a bad foul." So okay. I think that was. I don't. I don't. I'm not picturing it in my head the way I would. I, I right. have something in my mind for the Gabrielle non call, mm-hmm. but I, I to me that was. He's clear. He's clearly frustrated. He gets pushed off the ball at one point by Danny Welbeck, um, and then tries to claim a foul. And you know, I mean, you know, Danny Welbeck's certainly not a weakling, but Thomas Party shouldn't be getting shoved off the ball by Welbeck. That was just poor on his part. Yeah. I don't want to pick on the guy. He was very important to us. <laughs> um, but you know, as the conversation has sort of sort of shifted to the summer and players, not just in terms of buying players. Um, Caicedo, Declan Rice, but also in terms of possibly selling players. Kieran Tierney is a name that a lot of people expect might be a guy on the way out. Um, hmm. uh, you know, I, frankly, both Granite Xhaka and Thomas Party might be, might be, which, I mean, you know, Xhaka is one of those, it's hard because it feels like he's, he, we've been trying to sell him every summer. Fan, <laughs> the fan base, I should say, has been trying to sell him every summer for five years and he's still here. Party's an interesting one because, I mean, just imagine we talked about how important he was to us for so much of the season. And, you know, in terms of what has caused our performances to slip, part of it is just the sheer relentless pace you have to have to keep up with City. Like we talked about them as kind of the the monster lurking in the distance. And, you, I mean, let me ask, do you see what we were talking about? Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll we'll circle back to that too because I do want some details about like what exactly the rest of a season looks like for us. But yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um. So uh, you know, it, it'll be an interesting thing, and that's going to be kind of where we're. I think we're going to go. I I'd be very curious at this point. Um. So we'll. I mean, let's. We. I think it's a good transition actually to get into the rest of the season, unless you have anything else to say about the Brighton game because I don't. Yeah. Actually. Let me. Let me just. Say so. I, I was pressing myself to think of a player of the match, and I think what we didn't talk about because it faded from memory pretty quickly in light of how the rest of the match went. We started off super, super offensive, like super like on them, like from the time the kickoff started, we we pinned them down from the kickoff into their own side, and a lot of that was Jesus. Like Jesus was really in their faces just really trying to win the ball. And I felt like he had a really major role in the first half and keeping that pressure on that we had in that first half. And I, he wasn't able to sustain it, but that made an impression on me enough that I would call Jesus the player of the match. Hmm. But, I don't think yeah. that's a bad one. I thought he, I thought he's to, to me, Jesus, I, I, I thought Jesus was, was fine. I think this is one of those games though, where he had a couple of chances or a couple of opportunities. And, you know, again, as the sort of, how how are we judging these players? Not just on, did they play well, but like, did they fulfill the roles they wanted to fill? And, you know, he's, he's a goal scorer. And in a game Mm -hmm. that really cried out for a finish, he just, we just didn't get one. Right. Yeah. So yeah, let's uh let's bury this and uh and move on. So what what the what does the rest of the season look like? I know the commentators were talking about this next match because we only have we only have two left. I don't remember how many city has at this point because I think they may have had two or possibly three. Um so by they were they were saying that by the end of this weekend that city could have clinched it basically where regardless of what we do, we don't we couldn't get enough points to surpass them. Is, is that the case? Right. So, uh, city, we, we play on Saturday, uh, city plays their next game. They'll play in the champions league on Wednesday. I'm looking at the, yeah, they'll play the champions league on Wednesday against Real Madrid. They're one, one after their first leg. Uh, they are, so they have three games left in the league, uh, but they're going to play. Uh, they are home, home against Chelsea. I was trying to find it home against Chelsea on on sunday we play on saturday uh if we lose they that will give them the title if we if we draw they need a draw or a win against chelsea to to win the title and if we win a win for them will win the title clinch the title so if they beat basically if they beat chelsea on sunday uh they're, they're champions um right and and just to give you a sense of this in terms of the relentlessness of of city so City lost to Tottenham on February 5th, which is kind of <laughs> crazy, but they, for some reason, Tottenham, especially in Tottenham, always gets one over on them. So they beat City on February 5th. Since then, this is their list of results in order <laughs> win, win, draw, draw, win, 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 draw, win 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 draw win <laughs> oh man that is that's insane 
Well, that's that's what we looked like at the beginning of the season for for the first half or more of the season. That's that's what we looked like. You know, we had we had stretches like that. And but but to do that at this stage of the season, and you can mm-hmm. see for us, like we're, we're getting, you know, we talked about how tired, the tiredness of the players and the depth of the roster to do that at this stage of the season. That kind of relentless churn, especially given the quality of some of their opposition. Of course, they've played everybody in the league. Uh, they've been going through the FA Cup. They're in the FA Cup final. Uh, they've been going through the Champions League knockout stages. They played, you know, RB Leipzig, who's a good uh, German team. They played Bayern Munich, who is the best German team. Well, Bayern's one of the best teams in the world. Um, and they, they're playing Real Madrid, who's the the co-favorite with them for the Champions League. Uh, and they, they drew 1-1 in Madrid. They get to play the second leg is in Manchester. Um, you know, so they're not just, it's not just that they're winning these games, they're doing so. I mean, you threw in our first half of the season. Sure, we ran through a bunch of the league. We also played in the Europa League, uh, which is a very different, uh, yeah, that was a different kind of thing. And again, early on in the season, later in the season. Um, I mean, right now, you know, we're, we're going to finish, you know, if we, I think we're, if we win the next two, uh, I'm going to find the table real quick. If we win the next two, we would finish with. Hold on, just trying to pull everything up. If we win the next two, uh, we would finish with eighty-seven points. Um, eighty-seven points is one of the. It's would be one of the highest totals in the club's history. It's an. It's an astounding record we we haven't had we haven't broken 80 points since 2008 um mm-hmm. the invincibles won the invincibles had 90 yeah and that and you know that team went that team didn't lose a single game and they had 90 points and here we are we have a chance to sit at 87 and finish somewhat comfortably in second uh you know city has just been and and they've done this the last few years where you know the the last couple of years their their results that you know 93 86 81 98 100 um you know those are the, those are their point totals and the only one the only time they didn't win the title in the last few years was Liverpool in 2020 Liverpool had 99 i mean you know sort of the level it takes to compete with them and and where they are is I mean, it's it, it is a credit to us and how good we were that we've been at that level for most of the season. Um, yeah. So, you know, in that sense, the sort of the relentlessness of, of dealing with Manchester City, having to play with a club who can do those kinds of things. Um, but that's 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 the way it is. We can talk about, you know, the money they have and how it's been spent and all the things they can do that so other so many other teams can't. But, you know, that's if if you want to win the league, that's what it takes. and um you know to a certain extent you know we've talked about being on the beach we're kind of on the beach i'm not saying we actually are i don't know where they are mentally i suspect i suspect we're going to have a good show against newcastle it'd be nice to bounce back and newcastle's uh very much in the relegation zone uh yeah not newcastle not newcastle i'm sorry nottingham forest ends got my ends mixed up there nottingham forest is is, yeah (laughs) uh nottingham is not in the bottom three they are three points clear of relegation so they're gonna need a they're they're gonna really want a result um but yeah we're pretty much locked into second at this point newcastle can't catch us we are almost certainly not going to catch city and so 
you know, not Forest could be Forest could be a tough one, honestly, this weekend. And then we close the season at Wolves, who is definitely not getting relegated, uh, but is also not anywhere close to Europe. Uh, Wolves is a team that's pretty much done and also struggles mightily to score goals. They have Wolves has thir- has thirty goals on the season. Um, mm. they're uh they they're struggling. So, you know. Looking ahead, I think it'll be very curious to see how Arteta thinks about these last couple of games. I hope we see more of Smith Rowe in particular. He's a guy we haven't seen a lot. I hope we see a little bit more. I, it, would, it wouldn't be so bad to see a little bit more of Reese Nelson, Eddie, and Ketia, guys who would normally be getting a run out, um, you know, in, in a space of injuries. Uh, you might see a little bit more planned substitutions. I don't know. Um I know Arteta is a competitive guy. He's going to want to push them as hard as he can. It'll be kind of curious to see how we approach these final two games, kind of knowing it's not officially over, but even I think Odegaard made a a comment in the post game where he basically said, yeah, it's, yeah, we know it's over. Um, or yeah, for, I, let's see if I can find it really quickly. What he said, probably not. Everything's really, really slow. Um, yeah. Our, our Odegaard says no hope. There's no hope for the title. Um, which you know is pragmatic. Or, excuse me, I should say that it feels like there is no hope now, uh, which is yeah. a, a little bit different, but also it's not wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as they say, as they say, don't be sad that it's over. Be glad that it happened. Um, but we can be more. <laughs> we can we can talk about more about that in the melancholy when we get to the season review in in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so uh, that match is going to be on Saturday uh, with Nottingham Forest, and I saw that it's going to be on uh, Peacock Premium, so uh, anyone who's subscribing there can watch it live or see the replay same day, not having to wait 24 hours like the last <laughs> two or three matches have been for us. So. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan to download a raw, unedited recording right away, as well as occasional bonus content. There's a link in the show notes to join. And thanks again to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them at liquidiv.com and enter code Gooner to save 20% at checkout. That is G-O-O-N-E-R. There are no U's in Gooner. You can follow our show on Twitter at GoonerUShow for updates and to ask questions. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Come on, you gunners.